the Mess It Up podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's Biker Chick and the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to the Mess It Up podcast. I'm your host, the Bowtie Guy. We are here once again doing a show, and I've got my friend Mariah with me. Hello. And uh, you've heard her in the past. You're going to hear her again. And uh, she's the guest today talking about music. Um, I've been trying to get this thing happening and there were several other people that were going to join us and things just keep on not working. So we're here with Mariah because she is the most cooperative of all the musicians that I know. So thank you, Mariah, for being cooperative. I try. You are quite, as I might say, quite the dilettante. Um, And that is our word of the week this week. Uh, a, A dilettante is a person... Um, that has uh, interest in uh, the arts. Um, and so uh, I'm really uh, pleased that you would be a dilettante uh, for us on uh, worship music. My pleasure. Yeah. So, uh, Mariah, what do you do for us right now at, at church? What's your like role, your title, your position? So what are you doing? My title is, I believe, Worship Arts Pastor, which covers... Um, Pretty much anything to do with music and video. Cool. So when I first met Mariah, she was, uh, I think your title was um, Shy Teenage Kid. Um, And uh, you started playing uh, keyboards and guitar and singing and stuff. Um, And uh, that was, gosh, years ago. Going on eight years ago. Wow. And uh, so um, you have just slowly progressed uh, in your field doing this now and and it's really cool um you're writing music now well you've mm-hmm. been writing music but you've got music recorded you're yes. you're an itunes artist uh you're the second itunes artist that i personally know that i know is an itunes artist um there might be others out there but i don't know that they are um so how did you start with music so music for me um is kind of a generational thing uh, my dad was a professional dancer and did background singing and stuff like that for local bands back before I was born. Uh-huh. Uh, my grandpa was a pastor who also led worship. Uh, my great-grandpa was a famous musician in a small island in the Philippines. So it's just kind of this generational thing that's passed down through generation to generation. And um, so I picked it up pretty young. Do, do you blame that from being around it or did you see it and have an interest in it? Was it something that you just sort of took in through diffusion or did you actively pursue? I think I was born with the interest of it. Mm-hmm. And then because of the environment of so many people in my family being involved in music, it just became a natural progression of, oh, I'm interested in it. So many people in my family do it. I'm going to do it too. Yeah. You had a seed and you had fertile ground. So, so that, what was your first instrument? My first instrument, um, besides voice. Um, well, that's an instrument. <laughs> so I started singing when I was, my mom says before I could talk, I was singing. Okay. Um, same as my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, my first physical instrument was piano. Piano. What age? Uh, four. Four. Okay. And do you remember doing that? Absolutely. And was it fun for you or... Uh, depends on what part. I loved playing the music. I hated learning the theory. So uh, you always had like the accompanying theory book. Yeah. And that yeah. was the bane of my existence for years. I, I started as a six-year-old uh, on piano and I thought it was great making noise and banging keys and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, theory, I 
just despise theory. And I remember going to music camp and they always, you know, you'd, you'd rehearse and you'd have shows, but then there's theory. And I just hated theory. And now I'm thinking, I wish I would have paid so much more attention because theory is so cool and it's so useful. But when I was a kid, I just, I couldn't have cared less about theory. It really is super useful. And um, it is one of those things, like people call it music math. Uh, yeah. And it 100% is. And, and the creative part of me hated that. But one of my teachers in high school, when I got back into piano, I was I knew I was going to college and I had to pass piano proficiency. So I re restarted piano lessons. And my teacher really just made it click as to why it was important and why I needed to learn those things. And he taught it in a way that kind of accompanied the fun that I had actually playing. Okay. Um, so now I consider myself a little bit of a theory geek because yeah. I can talk forever about any theory topic. Um, My theory is so <laughs> out the window. I, I don't. I think if you change a major chord to a minor chord, you change the middle uh, note down a half step. But yeah. I don't know what they're supposed to be. Are they thirds, and then one of them's a two and a half, or what are they? Uh, you'd have a major third, major third. Uh, major third, minor third, if you're playing a, a major chord. Uh -huh. And then you have a minor third, major third, okay. if you're doing okay. a And minor. I also know, <laughs> the, the thing that I remember, I was, gosh, I think it was fourth grade, fifth grade, no, maybe fifth or sixth grade, I remember the teacher said something about a Picardy third, and I was like, what is that? And it was like, where it changes and it resolves and goes from minor to major at the end. And she said, you remember it? Because it's like Piccadilly Square. And I was like, I don't know what Piccadilly Square is. <laughs> but now I remember the term Piccadilly Third and I know where Piccadilly Square is. So that's it. Music theory over. Uh, if you want more music theory, <laughs> you can go to the Music Theory or Us podcast, but it ain't going to happen here. So you said there was a gap in your lessons. Mm -hmm. Was there a gap in your playing or just a gap in lessons? Just in lessons. Okay. And where did you branch out to other instruments? How did that happen? So... Um... I despise theory and I developed a real hatred of my piano teacher back okay. when I was in high school. Um, so I begged my mom to stop playing piano and so I stopped that and I took up uh, guitar lessons. And so I started playing electric guitar and my vision for myself was to become Abby from NCIS with the big boots and the dog collar and just rocking out on electric guitar. And that was like my high school vision of uh -huh. who I was going to be as an adult. Um, I'm pretty far off <laughs> <laughs> from Abby from NCIS. So I kind of lost the vision there. Uh, but my, I just wanted to play more contemporary. I wanted to play things that were uh, current rather than just playing classical music. Yeah, I was piano and then the next year, so I started piano at six and then at seven started violin. Suzuki violin and I my family didn't have music in the house uh, mm. other than you know pop would play some records every once in a while and it was always country which meant for dad Johnny Cash and Statler Brothers and that was it nothing else um, or classical stuff um, and that was all I heard so I didn't have an exposure to rock music but when I got into upper uh, parts of elementary school and definitely in junior high Everybody's listening to music and I didn't know what they were talking about. I was super embarrassed and self-conscious about it. And so I just dove in to rock music, you know, became Joe Metalhead and playing the violin it just didn't work with Ozzy Osbourne. So I dropped the violin in junior high, 
uh, like, I think I played through eighth grade, maybe, maybe into ninth grade, um, but picked up clarinet because clarinet was, you know, cooler. It was cooler to be in the band than, than in the orchestra. Um, and because I started in seventh grade, I knew all the music. I didn't have to learn how to read notes. So the teacher just let me go off and figure it out. So I, I taught myself how to play clarinet and, um, rose through the ranks very quickly in the band and then found out the band is just a bunch of different geeks. And so I just dropped it all together. Um, but that was the thing for me was I wanted to play modern music and my last piano teacher, I quit lessons in ninth grade. She was trying to get me modern music. And I remember she got me, uh, Pink Floyd, uh, the wall and I'm trying to, you know, just play stuff. And it had just the, the note, uh, notation for the guitar solos and everything. I was like, the songs are right, but it's not right. It's still just <laughs> piano. And so I, I begged my parents to let me quit and they told me I would regret it. Um, and I do regret it because uh, I didn't, I mean, I played piano for 10 years and it doesn't show. Uh, I don't have 10 years worth of ability. Uh, but the weird thing now, I can't read music after all mm -hmm. that music mm -hmm. reading. I, 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 I can read it, but not fast. Um, but my, my brain will just hear it. So if I sit at a piano and music is playing and I don't think, my hands will just do stuff. Now, it's not good enough that I can do it to play, but it's good enough that I'm like, wow, that's like, you know, 75% of what I'm supposed to be doing without thinking. And so I think it's weird how the, the music gets in there. How do your hands do? Piano, guitar, other instruments? Uh, I play ukulele. Okay. Um, Flute? I do not. My you mom seem like wanted, a person that would be a flautist. I don't my know. My mom really wanted me to learn flute, and my caveat with learning music was always I had to be able to sing while I did it. Have you ever played a flute and, and tried to sing? I have not. It makes an insane noise. You can do that <laughs> on a clarinet and a saxophone. It's really super interesting sounding. It kind of just growls at you. Um, yeah, so I, I went through all the band instruments, but I could never figure out a flute. It just didn't work for me, the flute. Um, what is it like guitar and, and uh, keyboards doing that? How does your brain hear it? Because with, with piano or keys, you're playing bass and either a, a lead or mm -hmm. something up top. And guitar, you're playing these chords. Is that a different thought process for your brain? They're very different. My brain kind of has them categorized very differently. Uh, so I'd say a lot of guitar for me is muscle memory. Mm -hmm. I've locked in these chords into my muscle memory, so I don't even have to think about them. Right. Uh, so it's a lot easier for me to like talk and play guitar. Okay. Uh, whereas with piano, a lot more of my brain has to go into the chord positions and uh, where is one chord to the next chord. Uh, so it's a lot harder for me to talk and play piano at the same what time. What about like strum patterns on a guitar versus playing on a keyboard and talking um, or I, singing? For me, it's a lot of intuition. So um, strum patterns, I'm usually listening kind of to the drums or whatever else is playing with me. And I... Does that mess you up though? Do you have to speak in phrases that match your strumming? Um, sometimes I'll have to breathe on beat. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, I can talk a lot more naturally. If you hear me play piano and try and like pray or talk, mm -hmm. you'll usually hear me stop, hit a chord, talk for a yeah. little bit, stop, 
hit a new chord uh, versus guitar I can kind of keep strumming and keep a generally pretty consistent talking pattern and that's I have I've in the past several years have picked up trying to figure out ukulele and I can't I can't do strum patterns at all anyway Um, and uh, I could always when I played piano I could sing and play and it didn't bother me at all my hands just did the different things different rhythms in two hands and on the voice and it, it never bothered me I don't know how I did it I just I guess I had been practicing so much, my hands just knew what to do. With bass, when I picked that up again after like a 10-year layoff, I had to get the muscle memory back. Mm -hmm. And it's still, I was never a fancy bass player. I always think you shouldn't notice the bass. But um, trying to sing and play, it was tough because I had to do it on the thing. So if I have, the the one that really uh, throws me off is um, Do It Again, Mm -hmm. where the da-da-da-da. I can't do that and sing. I just, I can't do it. And it it baffles me to watch people do that. I'm completely stunned by drummers who sing because I'm like, you're just a freak of nature. I feel like they're the pinnacle of cool. Yeah. Like in my head, there's nothing cooler than a female drummer who sings. Like that is the pinnacle of everything I wish I was. It's insane. And I, and I don't know how, how to, you know, how you do that. It just, it, the rhythms, my brain just, gets argumentative with itself mm-hmm. and I suppose what I have to do like when I first started doing bass and singing I had to just get the bass line down for a long time so I wasn't thinking about it because I can only think about that one thing so you played music most of your life been mm-hmm. around music most of your life where did the desire to write music come in um really young because uh, basically as long as I can remember I've had just this urge to write my own music. Um, My mom will tell you like for every birthday and every Mother's Day and every Father's Day, what I did before I could afford to go out and buy gifts was write songs. Mm. Um, And it really, especially in my teenage years, was a big outlet for um, processing emotions. Okay. So like, I guess you would consider it like poetry yeah for a lot of people they'll write poetry about the things they're going through for me it was uh writing songs if i was in love with somebody i wrote a song about it and when he broke my heart i wrote another song about it so every boyfriend got two ladies Uh, and gentlemen taylor swift um so what comes first in your head the lyric the melody the chord progression how did or does it just depend um, sometimes it depends. Usually the concept comes first. So what is this, what is it that I'm trying to convey? Um, am I trying to convey something super happy? Am I trying to convey heartbreak? Am I trying, what is the emotion that I'm trying to get out? Um, which will kind of di- dictate the chord structure of what I'm playing. And from there I piece together kind of lyrics and melody. I write simultaneously together. Okay. Um, Sometimes one comes first, but usually I'm writing pretty much simultaneously, uh, which is some, sometimes hard because then I get into a roadblock of, oh, well, I can't go anywhere. Right. Um, but then sometimes it's really helpful because I I already have the whole thing all, all done. Yeah. As Once the verse is done, the lyrics and the melodies are done, and I don't have to think about that again. So if you're driving down the road and something jumps into your head, it's more likely going to be a concept or a lyric, not a melody? Usually, yeah. Okay. And do you, like, have on your phone little melody tracks where you just hum into it to try to remember something? Um, I actually just went through my phone memos 
uh, a couple weeks ago and there were like 124 <laughs> um, of just fragmented songs. Yeah. Uh, just uh, one-liners or a verse or part of a chorus. And I went through and some of them I was like, oh, that's really good. I need to save that and uh, do something with it. And then a couple of them I was like, I, I think that's wasted space. We can let that one go away. <laughs> that, that needs to go yeah, away. Yeah. Well, one of the ones that was not wasted space was uh, a song called Many Voices, One Song. Tell me about um, who wrote this song and then we'll give it a listen and we'll come back and talk about the song itself. So this one uh, was one that was born from a concept. Uh, I wrote Many Voices, One Song coming from the kind of overarching theme that I put in place for... Uh, the worship arts ministry at RCA. When I took over in 20, late 2019, early 2020, um, I came in and a lot of ministries kind of came under me. It was, I kind of adopted the sound team, I adopted the live stream team. And so I had all of these different teams um, that all were just kind of doing their own thing. And I was like, but we're all working towards one goal. Mm. And so that was kind of the thing that I brought in was the many voices, one song was the theme that I had for that ministry of you might be working on live stream or you might be doing audio and visual and I might be singing, but everything we're doing is for one purpose and that purpose is to glorify God. Uh, so it was this theme of just unifying all of these branched out ministries to yeah. come under one one purpose outstanding well um here's 90 seconds of it um you can catch this on itunes where else can they find this they can find this anywhere you stream your music it's on amazon spotify uh pretty much everywhere and listen people if you want to bless a musician don't stream it don't think you can stream them enough to get the money buy the track uh because um <clears throat> there's no money in streaming unless you're you know metallica or taylor swift or something like that uh, but the rest of the people just starve. So here's Many Voices, One Song, and we'll be back on the other side to talk about it. Many voices, one song. Um, I really like in uh, in verse three where it says, "Your people are shouting, your body proclaiming, your church is uniting." Um, 
and I love the idea of the unity. Where did that come for, from for you? So I started with that concept of many voices, one song, and what did I really want to say with that? And um, it really was, I wanted to give a place for anyone, no matter what you are, where you come from, who you are, that we're all called into this place of worship mm-hmm. and glorifying God. Um, I'm in a Assemblies of God uh, pastor course right now, and one of my favorite things my teacher right now uh, was talking about we're going over the history of the Assemblies of God, and we started with the history of all denominations. And he he was like, well, if people get so caught up in it, and someone will be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm pa- Baptist. And he's, he's like, well, funny thing, I'm 95% Baptist. <laughs> um, and so we're a lot more similar than we are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we shake those things off and we really look at what our goal is as a whole, our everyone's goal is to bring glory to God and to praise him. And so that's really the push I had for this song was something that no matter what your denomination is, what your, uh, those small little things are that differentiate you from Joe Schmo down the street, uh, we all can sing that together is that God is holy and we can, there, we all agree on that part. Right, yeah, focusing on the main thing. Um, we were talking in the prison a couple days ago about denominational shifts and whatnot, and um, my degree is in history, and so I focused on pre-revolutionary Russian history uh, in my um, undergrad degree. And the, the Russian Orthodox Church was born out of the Greek Orthodox Church, and they had a war, like... A real war, not just people screaming, but people killing each other over whether to cross themselves with two fingers or with three fingers, because that mattered whether you were showing the risen Christ or not. And they were killing each other over it. It's like, how ridiculous is this that we get so caught up in petty squabbles? So that's that's. I I, I like that that you that you uh, focused on that. Um, so with worship. What's the point of worship to you as, not as Mariah, but as a worship arts pastor? What's, what's the point of worship? Um, so I always tell people worship is not the music. The worship is the state of being. Um, so when I'm posturing myself in the state of being of being a worshiper, everything that I'm doing is with the goal of glorifying God. And so music just happens to be a portion of that um i encourage my worship team all the time you know the act of being on stage on a sunday is not the act of worship our worship is our preparation it's the practicing it's the um preparedness to come and bring our best before god and that is what brings the worship um musical worship is a great thing Uh, i can list dozens of times in scripture that we're called to worship and Mm -hmm. there is such power in musical worship um but worship itself and that's something that i i'm very passionate about is so much more than just music um it's a posture Mm. and you know as you're saying that the word devotion comes into my mind and I'm, i'm thinking about other places where we worship things but you're so right with church people tend to make worship and music synonyms yeah and they they're not they can they can both be part of each other but they they don't have that's not the only thing that worship is Absolutely. and it's 
I don't think we do enough worship. We, um, you know, from the time I spent working at a church and watching people, there's, it's, that was one of my sadnesses or frustrations was just the people who come in on Sunday to check off the box. And that's the home I grew up in. We checked off the box on Sunday. We never did anything after that. And um, so what do you do as a worship uh, arts pastor? How do you get people more into worship? Not just your team that you can work with and, and call and say, hey, Jimmy, I need you to do this, but the people, the, the congregation, how do you engage them? I think what I've found over the years is the best way to engage your congregation is to be authentic. Mm. Um, people, whether they fully understand that they know it or not, they can sense when the person on stage is doing it for show or when they're doing it uh, out of a place of genuine worship. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the best thing you can do is just be real and be raw. Um, so there's times that I feel kind of exposed when I'm doing worship because, you know, I kind of bring the self that it would be if it was just me alone in a room with God. Um, that's kind of the atmosphere I try to bring on stage. And so it's very exhausting because it's so emotionally um, vulnerable. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I'm allowing that vulnerability to be very raw, um, people respond to that and yeah. people see that. And I think it kind of stirs up a hunger of, well, I want that kind of relationship and yeah. I want to experience that kind of worship. And so when you're doing that, um, people begin, begin to imitate yeah. and begin to try and seek that same kind of relationship. Yeah. Do you have a hard time with, because I know at your church, there's two services. Um, I, I had a friend one time and his church had five services. I thought, how do you get up and do the sermon five times in one day? That's just difficult. Is it, what's different for you that second service compared to the first service? Well, um, it used to be really difficult for me when I first started doing two services because I had come from a church that we only did one. And I was like, man, it really felt like second service. I was just trying to imitate first service. Right. Um, and then I kind of touched on, you know, our practice and our preparedness is what brings our worship. Um, and I realized I was like, man, I've been worshiping to these same songs every single day this week. So what's one more service? Right, That's And so true. when I changed that kind of concept of, oh, well, let's do it again to, I've been soaking and marinating and worshiping with these same songs all week. It was just another time to worship with those songs. And do you find a different energy? Because I know when I've been in worship with 3,000 people compared to me in my car with the radio, I can have a song that I can sing on the radio all day long and be driving and doesn't even affect me. And then I'm in with 3,000 people and I'm just weeping. <laughs> do you get that with more people with that energy? Does, do you get that? I've had it work both ways. I've had songs that completely wrecked me when I was by myself uh, that I did on a Sunday. And I was like, oh, we're going to have this amazing thing because I had this <laughs> incredible, incredible experience with this song. Um, and I go in and it's just dead. Yeah. And then I've also had times that I just hated a song and the pastor was like, I want to do it on a Sunday. I'm like, oh, I can't stand this song. Um, and then I do it for the congregation. And I'm like, oh, wow, I suddenly love this song. And it was so emotional and it was so powerful. Um, so it's really funny how uh, sometimes it's just 
circumstantial. Yeah, yeah. I had that experience where we did a song um, that uh, the I forget the name of the song, but it's the I ran out of that grave. Uh, oh, glorious day. Yeah, glorious day. And I was just destroyed by that. I was like, yeah. And then we did it that next week. I was like, we're doing this at CR. And we did it, and I'm like, what happened? That was just a song. It didn't. It didn't happen. And it, it just like. And I, I don't know if that was me or if that was just the spirit was more, maybe the guy standing next to me was bringing more spirit when we were, but I just always found that interesting uh, how that is. And I guess that's why we just keep doing it because yeah. we've got to be ready to receive when that's, uh, when that's happening. Always Absolutely. have the Wi-Fi on um, just in case. So um, where can people find more of uh, your stuff? Okay, so they can find us on all streaming platforms under Hope United. <laughs> Um, or you can find us on Facebook at, at Hope United or Hope United Worship on Instagram. Excellent. Thank you so, so much. We didn't get to half of the stuff I wanted to, and I, I know you've got a heart out, so we're going to put a pin in this, but we're gonna, I'm going to right now invite you back for another show where we can talk more because I want to get in more nitty-gritty of writing that we didn't even really get to talk about. But Mariah, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. You can go to our Patreon platform, which is found at messituppodcast.com. Click on the Become a Patron button, and that'll take you to that. Or you can do our text to give, which is you text the number or text the word mum to 760 walls ca and that will help you out uh taking you to our text to give and uh, all that is uh, tax deductible um so we really appreciate all the people who participate with that if you use that word of the week um dilettante in your um conversations this week give yourself five ten bonus points ten bonus points every time you use that word of the week and um, i'm just so happy that you guys are here doing this with us and um, if you've got ideas for the show, you can email them to me at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. You can reach me on my cellular telephone, my mobile at 760-608-1942. Shoot me a text with an idea. I'm out of words of the week again. Um, I've been getting some songs of the week, so that's, uh, that's helpful. But um, let me know if you've got ideas or if you'd like to be on the show. We'd love to talk to you. And uh, once again, we can't do any of this if it weren't for you guys. So share with your friends, post it on the, uh, the social media networks that you belong to. Give a listen to that song, Hope United. Buy the song, help support uh, the uh, worship ministry at uh, Mariah's Church so they can do some more recording. She's in the process of getting a second song recorded now. Um, so uh, that's exciting. And um, I guess there's nothing else to do but to say we'll see you next time. We mess it up. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.